You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. It's a Tuesday, which even with my sort of limited public school background and education, that tells me tomorrow is, in fact, Wednesday And each and every Wednesday in the month of July, you can get a free small scoop of gelato at Peter Brook Chocolatier. No purchase necessary. Just swing by there. A lot of great flavors from which you can choose. And they'll get you hooked up with that creamy, delectable, savory sweet gelato at Peter Brook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the 60-Minute Moon. A sports talk radio. Joe, how you doing on this Tuesday? Oh, I'm doing excellent, Travis. Having a great day. How about yourself? Hanging in there, you know, making it through so far. You know, it almost felt like yesterday with no news coming from that athletic director meeting over in Birmingham. It it did it feel like good news even? You know, after all the the ominous and uh the reports from last week with the with the Ivy League and the Big Ten jumping the gun, getting out there, the show dog that the Big Ten likes to sort of uh, present itself as. And then the Pac-12 following suit with the conference-only declaration for the upcoming college football season. Felt like yesterday in Birmingham was almost good news, although it was there was no news. Did you, did you feel that way, Joe? Yeah, I kind of didn't really... Uh, I kind of thought that Greg Sankey would stick to his word and uh, delay it till the you know later in July. So I was happy that there wasn't any news. Maybe some gamesmanship in there too, Joe. You know, Greg and the SEC—they don't like to be dictated to by the moral high horse riders up there in the Big Ten. I don't think they like that real good. And really, why not maximize as much of the time as you still have available to you as you possibly can? Uh, you still have, based on your sort of previous outline and protocol that you were following, you thought all five power conferences were following that protocol until the Big Ten uh, broke ranks and kind of did its own thing and prompted the Pac-12 to 
follow suit. You, you still have a couple weeks. Now, look, I, I'm not trying to blow any sunshine up anybody's rear here because really, you know, what are we going to know July 30th that we don't already know and, and don't know? The biggest thing is what we don't know still at this point in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, I get that. You know, I understand that, but you, you might as well write it out for as long as you can and, you know, use every bit of the gas in the, the tank that you've got before you have to sort of, uh, you know, get into to some desperation mode type tactics for the upcoming season. But, you know, we'll talk about some of that with Brent Beard coming up in a little bit as well. You're welcome to join us at 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. You know, so many dreadful thoughts about what not having football this fall would have on us as fans and as people who, well, I mean, we're rooted in this time of year signaling the growing excitement, the anticipation that comes with another college football season. So just from that standpoint, it would be catastrophic. That's before we even get into the economic hit that these athletic departments and universities around the country would take. And if you're an Alabama fan, maybe you've gotten to the point where with all the winning, with all the championships, and with all the success under Nick Saban, I'm interested to know if Alabama fans view this kind of like I do. And the way I view it, And again, understanding that there are far bigger concerns on our plate in society than a team maximizing its dynasty potential. But what sort of complicates the potential for a lost season from the Alabama perspective is that you've only got so many bites of the cherry left with Nick Saban. Uh, That's the worst to me if you're an Alabama fan right now. Thinking about how great this run has been, but then the possibility still somewhat in the middle. You got to think realistically you're on the back end of the middle of that run at this point. To think about the lost opportunity for this Alabama team. And you start with the players. First and foremost, you would hate it for the players, the young people that put in all the time and effort to get ready and do what they need to do each and every day throughout the course of a year. And by the way, Alabama expected to step up those workouts. That sort of phase went into effect yesterday, but Alabama expected to move into that mandatory phase of workouts beginning today. And you can have coaches uh, on the field, coaches involved in that activity. Um, Still can't have a football, an actual football can't be involved in that work until that goes into effect July 24th. And right now you're just trying to survive to the next phase. So this phase started yesterday. Now you're just trying to get to July 24th with your football team somewhat intact. And then from the 24th through the 6th, you can incorporate a football into your walkthroughs and you get more into the 20 hour week rule. And once you get to the 24th, the players are required to have two days off during those weeks and then you hope by August 7th you know you're in a position to open some semblance of a fall camp uh, but when you look at this Alabama team it's once again it's and we've talked about it before it's 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 got a college football playoff roster you know it really does and it certainly has a college football playoff head coach 
And we look at the roster and we talk about that and, you know, you see the dynamic playmakers returning even with the loss of a couple of those guys to the NFL, but still at wide receiver, a couple of big-time players, big-time player in the backfield in Najee Harris, a quarterback in Mac Jones who got some extremely valuable experience during the 2019 season, a very good offensive line coming back. You've got some veterans at the tight end position. Defensively, that's where you're going to continue to have your biggest concerns, um, especially when you talk about the perimeter and the back end of that defense. But what you like about this team, too, is that beyond the personnel, which was what we so often get caught up in, is that you've actually got some continuity in the coaching staff for a change here in recent years at Alabama. You've got both of your coordinators back. Now, that hasn't happened in a while, right? To have your offensive and defensive coordinators back. Uh, really across the staff, you're in much the same uh, shape that you were a year ago. You got Freddie Roach coming in to coach your defensive line, which you hope both on the field and in recruiting serves over as an upgrade over what you've had at that spot the last couple of years. So there, there's the coaching aspect of this to consider too. And again, um, you, you hate to lose one of these years altogether when you're when you're Alabama potentially uh, because the talent's there yes you're still going to have Clemson Ohio State I get it uh, but this Alabama team in terms of the roster and again the continuity and and what I think will prove to be a, a really good coaching staff uh, you know we, we, we fall into that trap in the midst of something unprecedented like what Alabama's doing uh, in this era of college football, and you, you start to think this is just the way it's going to be forever. So even if you lose a season, and look, Nick Saban turned 69 on October the 31st and is showing no signs at this point of being just a couple of years away from the finish line. You know, Nick Saban may very well coach in that game against West Virginia up in Morgantown in his home state in six or seven years from now. 75-year-old Nick Saban may still be at the wheel. But uh, you know, the, the, as much as it seems like this has become just sort of the uh, the status that, that Alabama is entitled to, it's not forever, right, folks? Alabama fans can attest to that. The Bryan era wasn't forever. There was a pretty good desert in there, although Gene Stallings did some really good things from 1990 through 1996. But uh, – Pretty pretty good desert for a decade after that, right? So uh, this is when you want to try to take advantage of those situations as much as you can. Hey, we're going to have Brent Beard coming up next, as we talked about. Some interesting topics we're going to get into Brent into with Brent. Um, the University of Florida has announced that it will have a Ring of Honor announcement uh, next Thursday. July the 23rd, and the anticipation is that Urban Meyer, the former Florida Gator head coach, could be in line to join Steve Spurrier, Danny Werfel, Emmett Smith, Jack Youngblood, Wilbur Marshall. Man, Wilbur, what a player. Wilbur was pretty much flawed as Cornelius Bennett, Derek Thomas type edge defender. Yeah, really good player for the Gators. And, of course, Tim Tebow in that ring of honor as well. 
it's interesting. I think that Florida fans, we'll talk about this with Brent, I think Florida fans are maybe a little bit torn about that. They love those two national titles that Urban brought to Gator Nation. But uh, that didn't have the best of endings with Urban, sort of retiring and then unretiring and then kind of mailing it in in 2010. Didn't exactly leave that program in pristine condition for Will Muschamp and the others who have since followed him there in Gainesville. And it got me to thinking about, what about Nick Saban and LSU at some point down the road? Talk about Brent with that. What about Nick Saban in the LSU Ring of Honor? National title, 2003, SEC titles, 2001 and 2003. Urban was at Florida really for five years. You don't even count that 2010. He was really at Florida for five years. Saban was at LSU for five years. I'll argue the point that Nick Saban was to LSU what Steve Spurrier as the head coach and Urban Meyer were to Florida. And that's just in five years. That's just in five years. We'll get into some of that with Brent Beard coming up in just a little bit as well. Headed to a break. Brent Beard coming up next right here on Southern Fried Sports presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier right after this. sizzling hot afternoon with a good supply of sunshine the high today 96 for tonight mostly clear with a low at 74 and tomorrow should be the hottest day so far this summer the sky partly to mostly sunny the high in the upper 90s at 98 i'm james Spann on the abc 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 tide 100.9 for more coverage of alabama football visit us at tide 100.9.com or download the free tide 100.9 app the crimson tide Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show is always brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. And as we do at this time on Tuesdays, we shift our attention to our good friend Brent Beard of College Sports Today. And First Coast News, Brent, I said this earlier in the program, but no news from the SEC yesterday felt like good news compared to what we, <laughs> compared to what we dealt with from a time frame of about Wednesday to Friday of last week. Uh, oh, I don't think there's any doubt about it, uh, and, and frankly, not, not, not real surprise. And Trav, I still think that's what the – Big Ten should have done, and that they should have just said, "Look, we are going to wait until uh, the end of the month." Um, and I mean, according to the NCAA plan uh, that they've got, that no one was going to start camp until August the seventh. So they had that they had time to see what, what was going on and. And, and show a little bit of patience at that point. So, and, and again, I uh, Sankey will be asked when they're going to do something, and does he have an answer? But no one really has an answer yet. They've got to kind of wait and see where we're 
where we're going. I mean, I still think we can play football, and I think we can still have a season. I think it will be modified, um, certainly. Uh, but and listen, you, you may be like me a little bit. I thought several times yesterday, Trav, uh, that uh, normally we would be in Atlanta for – uh, media days, but that was obviously changed right now, like everything else. It was. We were supposed to hear, I guess, from Ed Orgeron and yeah. uh, Dan Mullen with Nick Saban set to go uh, from the Alabama contingent tomorrow over in the ATL. Instead, we were all ears and eyes towards Birmingham to hear if anything of note would come from that AD meeting in the ham. Um, so I was going to ask you about that. You're check your temperature a little bit in terms of your expectation for a college football season. Was this a case though, with the big 10 sort of on that high horse that it likes to assume whenever it possibly can breaking away from the other power five conferences last week and sort of immediately getting in there behind the news of the, the Ivy league and uh, its decision to cancel fall sports altogether uh, was that just another case of this, Brent? Uh, I think that was a lot of it. And, and Trav, as you know, uh, uh, one thing that, that I've been told is this probably came from their presidents who hold themselves in high esteem, shall we say? Yes. Uh, yes uh, that that uh, and it was one of those things to where this is what we decided, athletic directors. And this is what we're going to do. So, uh, with their history, Trav, did that in the long run did that surprise you? Uh, no, it didn't. It did not. Even with uh, some of the blemishes on that yes. Big Ten yes. prestige in uh, the last decade or so, specifically up there in Columbus, Ohio, at Ohio State University. Uh, Brent, when we look at the potential for an upcoming season and we hear a lot about conference only play and regardless of how this all plays out with just a couple weeks really to sort of get a better idea of maybe where this thing is going with COVID-19 and even then uh, I think we're quickly running out of time to sort of make those type of um, you know strong uh, evaluations Um, is it looking like a nine game season at the power five level, is that is that where you could see this thing settling? Because I guess with the Big 12, it's kind of already built in that way for that league. Um, the SEC could add a conference game. Maybe non-conference play is still in effect for the, the SEC because so many of the rivalries are connected to the ACC. Maybe a partnership there with those two leagues. How do you see this thing playing out in terms of a maximum number of regular season games in 2020? I think probably 10 at the most. Uh, now, again, how they would come with that would be interesting. Would that be um, a non, non-conference non game, or would it be, uh, uh, say, Alabama playing Vanderbilt and Florida, who, who were not going to be on the schedule this year and end up with 10 games, uh, which uh, it would allow them some wiggle room if they had a game canceled and they had to reschedule something of that, something else of that nature, I think probably you would be looking at something like a mid-September, first week of October start uh, at that point, at which, frankly, travel would allow them. Now, again, you and I both know 
that on August the 7th, before then, they'll have to have some kind of date set as far as when they want to start the season so that they can be careful about when they're, when they're going to start uh, fall camp for all that, the two fall in line. So right, right now I could see uh, um, probably 10 games. And, look, being down here, as you understand, um, Georgia fans want to play Georgia Tech. Carolina fans, at least some of them, want to play Clemson, and and then and then FSU and Florida, and you know how big that is. But 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 Trev, my thing with that is, I get that and I understand that how they want to preserve those rivalries. But if you're the SEC schedule guy, uh, Trev, what where what are the rest of the league game league teams go that don't have an ACC rival? Yeah, you know, you'd be looking at. You know, you already had it kind of set up for Auburn to play North Carolina. That's right. And, you know, maybe Alabama slides in to play a, a pit or someone like that. Who knows how that could really? – Virginia Tech, who knows how that could play out. But yeah, there are so many – there were so many games this season. Didn't really realize it. And I know initially a lot of folks were talking about, you know, the SEC and the Big 12, which is sensible because – you, know, you could have possibly replaced SC with uh, Texas A and uh, Tex, uh, excuse me, Texas Christian sure. with Alabama. Um, you got LSU and Texas set to play. You had what Baylor and Ole Miss set to go. OU and Tennessee. So there were a lot of matchups. There still are a lot of matchups between those two leagues that are set. But man, when you look at the ACC, it's not just the rivalries either, Brent. And you had Georgia. And Virginia, you had yep. Auburn and North Carolina. You had even NC State and Mississippi State that were right. going to play this season. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And see, Trav, uh, to dovetail with that, part of the disappointment with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten was that Ohio State-Oregon tilt that could have had a lot to do as far as the playoffs are concerned. So, uh, but yeah, but look, they, at this point, you've got to be creative. You've got to be out of the box, uh, at, at some point and trying to come up with, uh, some different reasoning. But, but again, uh, would it necessarily shock you, Trav, if the league just said, look, instead of getting into a logistics nightmare, we're just going to have, Ten games, and they're all going to be SEC teams playing each other, even if a game or two doesn't count in the standings. Yeah, it's tough because if the Big 12 just uh, practiced honesty and advertising, <laughs> yeah. truth and advertising, and actually had 12 teams really? instead of 10, you know, that's kind of the... The Tim Brando fly in the ointment, Brent, is, you know, all the other Power Fives are set up in a way in terms of conferences as far as number of teams that they can play 10 conference games, except for the Big 12 with 10. So that's where that becomes a bit of an issue. And trying to have, again, this, you got to consider uh, the competitive aspect of all this and keeping that as level as you possibly can across the Power Fives, which leads to the question of, if in fact you do pull off a nine or ten game season, and that's that that's far from certain sure. at this point. If you get to a point where you can have a playoff, you know which way do you go with a playoff? Do you shrink the playoff? Do you expand the playoff? Um, you know, given that you're 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 uncertain in terms of what the ceiling really is for number of games you can get in this year. 
Well, I, I, I think what they should do, uh, frankly, is expand it uh, for this year. Look, I know they've got, I know they want to stay with their contracts, and and it comes open in the, in the middle of the decade. But uh, I think this year, it, because you don't have the non-conference games. Uh, and look, I'm not talking about expanding it to 16. I've never been a, a, an advocate of that. But I think you could go from four to six or eight and be reasonable. And if you do that, you've got all the conferences uh, that could be represented at that, that, at that point uh, and have the accessibility to it um, because not having the these normal load of conference games, you're almost going to have to do something. But I sure one will not be surprised if the uh, if the commissioners and the playoff committee refuses to do that. Had some news in relation to the transfer portal on Monday. JT Daniels, the former USC quarterback, transferred to Georgia and announced via social media on Monday, as we had for you here late in Monday's program, he has been granted a waiver for immediate eligibility for Kirby Smart in the 2020 Georgia Bulldogs. That wasn't so well received around <laughs> Twitterdom. No. A lot of folks still wondering about Joey Gatewood, some other guys that are still out there. Gatewood, of course, the transfer from Auburn to Kentucky, uh, and several others. The sort of random nature, again, and how this sort of isn't just determined. Because, look, I think it makes sense that Daniels was granted immediate eligibility. He was injured in the opener of sure. the 2019 season, like the first play of the second quarter. So I think he qualifies for sure uh, from that standpoint. But I guess just how some guys have been waiting for months, and JT Daniels seems to have been waiting for about – it seems like JT Daniels had drive-through access yeah, yeah. Uh, to the NCAA and was able to get that expedited. Uh, well, you mentioned Gatewood. Cade Mays has also been mentioned yeah. that he transferred to Tennessee on January the 8th. And it's still waiting. And then uh, Ohio State wide receiver Jalen Gill granted immediate eligibility at Boston College. Look, listen, I don't have any. I'm with you. I don't have any problem with the, with the Daniels uh, being uh, granted instant eligibility. Uh, my thing is just just let's be fair with this. Now, in fairness to the NCAA. They really wanted to deal with this waiver thing, but then COVID hit, and it's really, frankly, just put it on the back burner, and that's going to happen uh, at, at this point. So I get the fairness uh, bit of it, but, Trav, from what you and I do every day, the thing that really intrigues me is what this does to the Georgia quarterback room, and and obviously we know we know about where everybody is heading now with the Daniels in here. And listen, people forget Trav Daniels was a as or was he not as good of a prospect coming out as as Newman was? Yeah, uh, I mean he he actually reclassified and yeah. came out a year early and played. Uh, for USC as a true freshman, kind of like Jake Bentley, yes, uh, South uh, South Carolina, the other SC, yeah, for sure. Uh, and and you know the other thing with that is uh, now they've got compared to last year, they've got as full of a quarterback room uh, as they have in years that that I remember. Uh, frankly, uh, at this point, 
but, but Trev, if you're guys like Carson Beck from Mandarin High School yeah. going up there, does this give you pause in what you want to do right now? Yeah, we talked about that yesterday with Chris Hummer, the national college football writer for 247sports.com. Of course, all the focus now is going to be on Newman and JT Daniels, who, by the way, still has to prove that he is yes. fully recovered from that aforementioned ACL injury sustained in the 2019 season opener against Fresno State. But lost in all that is probably the biggest loser right now is Carson Beck. And yeah. not only because of Daniels and Newman, but Georgia already has a commitment from one of the top five quarterbacks in yeah. the country for the no 2021 doubt. cycle. So a little bit of a squeeze on Carson Beck, the former Alabama commitment, by the way, before he flipped to the eventually uh, went to the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. Um, yeah, it is very interesting when when you get into the uh, the aspect are decided and the timeliness of them. Um, let me ask you about the rival Florida Gators for a second, Brent. Yeah. Uh, what's this about Urban Meyer and perhaps the the Ring of Honor? I guess down there at the Swamp Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. On Twitter yesterday, uh, there was uh, a couple of tweets. Uh, one of them was from OnlyGators.com that that mentioned uh, that there was a possibility that it was coming up uh, about some discussion about the Ring of Honor induction at Florida. Tim Tebow was the most recent. And uh, several Gator beat writers have said, According to the to the criteria for uh, the Ring of Honor, that frankly the next guy to get that was or or has to be Urban Meyer. So uh, the the the, uh, the the people who come out with those tweets also followed up by saying that's been on hold right now. But 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 look, that always brings up uh, as you can imagine. Quite a bit of discussion in this area when Urban is mentioned for that. Uh, Urban not being as warm and fuzzy, of course, as Steve Spurrier uh, and Gator fans still not embracing Urban, but Trav not willing to give those two national championship rings back either. So, right. as, so as you know only too well, uh, when when this comes up, it gets heated pretty quickly. You know, it, it should. I think Urban was there, what, six years? And really the last year was a, a throwaway year. Yes. 2010, yes. he had decided he was going to spend more time with the family the first and multiple times we heard that from Urban in the years to come. But um, 2010 was a debacle. He did not leave that situation in particularly great shape for no. Will Muschamp coming in behind him. Um, you know, it's interesting. Does LSU eventually honor Nick Saban? In a yeah. similar way, because that, I think that, you can certainly point. draw the parallels there. Sure. You know, if you're going to put Urban Meyer in the ring of honor at the University of Florida, I'm not sure what LSU does. I'm, I'm guessing LSU has something similar. Does yeah. the Tigers eventually put Nicholas <laughs> Lou Saban Jr. in the Tigers ring of honor? I, well, you know what? I think yeah. the chances now are actually better after last season. You know, I, I think well, that well, sort of consternation well, and that that aftertaste of Nick moving on to the NFL after five seasons, maybe that helped Nick Saban. And not that he probably is a huge interest in that one way or the other, but I guess it's, it's more possible now that Nick could be honored that way by LSU in the future 
uh, after that 15 and 0 season, Brent. Well, well, and look, uh, the reality is for what Saban did for them, they know. It, uh, it, 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 sure they do. And Trev, here's the reality of that. Uh, yes, I know. And and the other thing is. Uh, Les Miles won one, but he also won it with Nick's players. Yeah. Nick, uh, you know, we can talk about Urban winning two at, at Florida. Yeah. Nick really won two at LSU. I no mean, question. if we're going to be honest about what yeah. he left and the shape of that program at LSU when he did depart compared to what Urban left yes. at UF, come on. Right. Correct. Yeah, and, and look, uh, I, I really have no problem, and at some point they need to get over – and you understand Gator fan psyche here, but but and and I get that some of them they got tired of the one percent of the one percent and and all that went along with that. But but Trev, for what the man did on the field for them and rebuilding that program, uh, does he eventually need to go up there? I think I think he does, and I think they will. A lot of this stuff will heal. I mean, it may be what Trav five years down the road or ten, but yeah. I think it's I I think at some point that happens. Yeah, I, I think I think that could be the case, and you know it could go either way with sort of the the transition and the uh, the evolution of the program now under uh, Ed Orgeron. You know, maybe a lot of LSU folks say, "Look, we're we're fine with our guy. Yeah. He's our guy right. now." You know, Nick was great, but you know, we're we're all about O, and and that's kind of how we're going to try to remember this generation or this era of uh, LSU football. But look, yeah, you can compare Saban to a couple of guys who have coached at Florida. Steve Spurrier made yeah. Florida football important, made sure. it nationally relevant. Same can be said for Nick Saban upon his arrival at LSU. Nick was eventually a couple of guys for the Tigers. He was Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in the big picture of things, uh, the short sort of stint like Urban Meyer, uh, but in terms of making LSU football very, very relevant on the national scene, uh, very much like Steve Spurrier at Florida in that regard. What else do we got on a Tuesday before we get out of here, Brent? Uh, there, there are always things going on uh, within the, uh, the the conference. Recruiting continues to go very well for a lot of teams. By the way, Tim Jordan, the Tennessee running back, uh, that they got in trouble, uh, pled guilty to lesser weapons charges, uh, uh, shall we say, and is playing on now transferring to Western Kentucky. Trail, uh, uh, i tell you one thing that, that really caught my attention, and we'll get into this again uh, someday when we have more time, but um uh, the, the folks at Warchant made a very interesting um uh, article about some of the problems in college football have been with the uh exorbitant uh coaching contracts and the the race for the uh, facilities uh and how that's come back to haunt them now um, during COVID, you and I f- have followed this for years, uh, not only with coaches, but also with the assistance contracts and the number of years and so forth. I, I, I think it, and it's certainly food for thought as we go along. Will, Trav, will COVID change 
what a lot of hap- what happens with these uh, with these coaches contracts and uh, Trav, as far as the league, when you look at a Will Muschamp, what does a does a five and seven at South Carolina or a six and six instead of getting Will fired, Trav, because of COVID, does he get another year because of the economic situation we're in? He could. I mean, in retrospect, if you're Florida State and you could forecast what was coming in March of this year, would you have gotten rid of Willie Taggart yeah. after two seasons, knowing that you were going to owe him, what was it, $18 million? Yeah. Yeah. The buyout yes. for Willie yes. Taggart? And we talked about this yesterday with Chris Summer as well. While the perception by a lot of folks around the country is that Florida State and the athletic department is flush with cash, that is not the case. No. So no. I can certainly understand <laughs> You know, a Florida State outlet coming with this sort of perspective because it's especially true at Florida State right now. After that huge buyout for Willie Taggart and, you know, the, the, the facility issues that they've had in comparison to a lot of the teams they're trying to compete against on an annual basis like Clemson. Yeah, I, I, I think for a Florida State, uh, even at the Power Five level, it's going to be it's going to be underscored. The, the fallout from this situation. And, and Trav, what people don't understand sometimes, too, is, uh, and you do after li- from living down here, Trav, they don't have the alumni base. No. Uh, no. In, in, in sheer numbers that your typical SEC school uh, would have, and, and obviously Florida and Florida State are big rivals, but there's no way in the world Florida State comes close to the number of boosters and alumni that Florida does. So that that has a big play in it, too, does it not? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Well, Brent, as always, we appreciate the insight. We appreciate the lively banner with you here on Southern Fried <laughs> Sports. Always great to have Brent Beard on the program. We'll do it again next week, my friend. Look forward to it, pal. Take care. Thanks a lot, Brent. There he goes, Brent Beard, College Sports Today and First Coast News, if you haven't already. Give Brent a follow on Twitter at Brent Beard, B-E-A-I-R-D. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A sizzling hot afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 96. For tonight, mostly clear with the low at 74. And tomorrow should be the hottest day so far this summer. The sky partly to mostly sunny. The high in the upper 90s at 98. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. No real reason to have Van Halen for the playlist theme of the day. Just felt like we could all use a little Diamond Dave and the boys, right? Need a little juice around, yeah. Southern Fried Sports presented by Houston Hydrosteam, our great new friends that do an outstanding job of making sure your carpets, rugs, upholstery, tile, 
and grout cleaning are handled in a first-class manner. Locally owned, locally operated, they'll do an outstanding job for you. Just give them a call at 205-553-9460. We recently at Casa de Ryer had what the folks at Houston Hydrosteam refer to as a flooring revival. And that's very, very accurate when you deal with Houston Hydrosteam because the flooring, the carpets, the rugs, the tile, the upholstery, everything immaculate now thanks to Houston Hydrosteam. Houston Hydrosteam, quality work you can stand on. It's an election day, right? Election day out there. Have you voted yet? Are you going to get out there and pull the lever? For the former Auburn coach, Tommy Tuberville, big day for Tub. Big day for Tub in that uh, matchup with Jeff Sessions. And that's about the extent of my political analysis and knowledge, to be honest with you. I'll tell you something I am struggling with in terms of semi-voting type procedure that's going on with this thing. Joe Gaither, I'm putting together an all-SEC championship game team. For the University of Alabama, you know, because Alabama has participated in 12 of these SEC championship games. That's tied for most with the aforementioned Florida Gators, Alabama with the most SEC championship game wins among conference members to this point. Thanks in large part to Nicholas Lou, Lou, as he was referred to on a conference call last night, Saban, um, and so, you know, Saban's won six of those, six of those SEC titles to go along with the five national crowns. But, you know, it's not as easy as you would think, even when you have the ability to go back to the inaugural championship game in 1992, you move through the mid-90s, 93, 94, 96, then you get to 99 and that unexpected SEC title by Sean Alexander, Chris Samuels, and the rest of the game under Mike Dubose. That one came out of left field. Beat Steve Spurrier twice in the same season, including one of those in overtime at Florida Field. Yeah, didn't see that one. I was there that day. Did not see that one coming. But alas, it did. Some good dudes on that 99 team. Glad they got a ring. Griff Redmill, some of those folks. Good, good people. Um, You know, and then you had that desert that we sort of pointed to earlier where you went about a decade with a lot of nothingness with Alabama in relation to the SEC championship game. Nick Saban comes in 2008. You're right back in the mix. Uh, 2009, 2012, and then you go on that three-peat, 14, 15, 16, win another in 2018. So Nick Saban, 6-1 and one as Alabama head coach in SEC championship games. That lone defeat coming to... Urban Meyer and the Florida Gators back in 2008. Crimson Tide rolls off six straight after that. But you put together a team, and man, so many choices, really, across the board. Now, you know, 15 years ago, it would have been tougher to find a lot of guys maybe on the offensive side of the ball. And you would have had Sean Alexander, would have been an easy choice as a member of that 99 National uh, SEC Championship team. Uh, But it certainly has changed with uh, what Nick Saban has done in the program. So I look at the linebacker position. I mean, I got guys like Reuben Foster not going to make the cut, you know, because you've got Rolando McClain. You've got C.J. Mosley. You look at outside linebackers, guys like Courtney Upshaw, not on my list, uh, not as of yet anyway. That's one I'm still pondering. 
you got to consider Antonio London from that 92 team at the outside linebacker position, Ryan Anderson, in those three straight championship game wins from 14 to 16. How about the defensive line you can put together from Alabama, just in terms of SEC championship game teams? Jonathan Allen, Ashawn Robinson, John Copeland, Jaron Reed. I haven't even mentioned Eric Curry yet. Yeah. Haven't even mentioned Quinnen Williams yet. That's a list, isn't it? You look at the safety positions on the back end of the defense. Guys like Landon Collins. Guys like HaHa Clinton Dix. Guys like even Robert Lester, who's never probably got the proper amount of love for what he got done at the position there in a stretch of about three seasons. Star position, Javier Arenas from those 2008-2009 championship game teams. What about your corners? Well, that's one spot where one of those picks is a slam dunk because you're absolutely going to go with Antonio Langham from the 92 team. For, forever remembered by Crimson Tide fans for the pick six of Shane Matthews in the 1992 title game. Of course, that propelled Alabama to that matchup with Miami. In the New Year's Day Super, uh, Sugar Bowl matchup, what about the other corner? you got guys like Marlon Humphrey out there. Cyrus Jones was a good college corner. But i got to go back to 92, I think. I think i got to stick with George Teague at that other corner. How about that corner tandem in 92? Antonio Langham and George Teague. And George could do a lot of different things. George played some safety. He could play that star defensive back spot. Looking at Kareem Jackson as a possibility at corner from those 08 and 09 teams. You get over to the offensive side of the ball. Chris Samuels at, at tackle, one of the tackle spots from the 99 team. He's a slam dunk. No real doubt about that. And then you consider the 2012 SEC and National Championship team at Alabama and DJ Fluker, Barrett Jones, Chance Warmack. Probably got to have a place for all three of those guys in that five. Good thing about Barrett is Barrett played left tackle. He played guard. He played center. You know, Barrett Jones still, when you just talk about bios, Alabama bios, hard to beat the one that Barrett Jones rolls out there. The guy won the 2011 Outland Trophy while playing left tackle. And then the next year, he wins the 2012 Remington Trophy as the nation's top center. And again, he worked at guard in 2009 in that first Saban National Championship team. So all across that offensive line, Barrett Jones offers you some flexibility there. Probably have Barrett Jones at a guard on this team. Because I'm not leaving Ryan Kelly off, the 2015 Remington Trophy winner for Alabama. How about these wide receivers, potentially? How about a three-wide receiver set? on an all-SEC championship game team consisting of David Palmer, Amari Cooper, and Julio Jones. You like that if you're an Alabama fan? I mean, I know you just had a top-four wide receiver group for all time in Jerry, Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs III, and Jalen Waddell, but uh, how about the Deuce, Coop, and Julio? That would work. You go back and you look at what David Palmer did during his time at Alabama. It's really encapsulated in a couple of those SEC championship games. 
He had a 100-yard receiving game against Florida in the 92 game in Birmingham. And then in the 93 game, he he ran, I think it was 13 times, 16 times for like 95 yards because he played quarterback a lot in that 93 game with Jay Barker out. And at quarterback, he attempted 16 passes in the 93 SEC championship game, completed half of them for 90 yards. It's crazy, man. You think about David Palmer back in the day. We'll get into more of that as we move throughout the week. I want to thank Brett Beard for joining us on the program today. As always, Joe Gaither doing a great job producing the show as well. It is a Tuesday, so when we get into the lunch whistle on Tuesdays, it's always Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Takeout only on Tuesday, so you'll want to call them. 205-632-3282. And since it is a Tuesday, you're talking about those $7 Thai chicken pies. Outstanding. Look, I know it sounds like, uh, you know, an eighth grader to do this, but the kids kind of got me on the ranch dressing kick with the pizza. And there's some kick in that Thai chicken pizza, so you can offset that a little bit with just a little bit of ranch. Just trust me on that. I know. I know. I sound like I should be in a middle school lunchroom somewhere eating square pizzas. But it's good. I promise you. Eat Pizza Bar downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for 